I've spoken to a lot of people, and it's not even like cinephiles and stuff. They just say they're just tired of American films. Like they're just tired of the same old narrative. I think that it it was interesting when um, there were like all these gimmicks, mm-hmm. and I was like the balls flying in your face, and you were like, oh, it's coming at me, whatever. But then that got very old yeah. very quickly. I think if you kind of want to rule something as like a dictator, that's not what filmmaking is for, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it used to be very like auto dominated. Hi, I'm Yaku. I'm Mark. And I'm Kayle. And welcome back to Department Spotlight, which is the show where we speak to our friends and colleagues about their experiences in the film industry. So today we're going to be continuing on our discussion from last time, which was answering the filmmaking for dummies or like just X for dummies. Uh, we're just going to answer their questions, which was called 10 questions to get film lovers arguing. So we didn't do a lot of arguing in part one, but let's see what happens in this part. I think it's going to get pretty spicy. It's 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 going to get lit. If it doesn't get spicy, I'm going to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, but yeah, let's get into it. Well, sixth question. Why not release films on all formats at the same time? Opinions. Okay, so this is similar to what we discussed in the cinemas podcast about HBO releasing everything all at once. That's an interesting question. I I would like to start or open the floor with short of the week. When you enter, they talk about their strategy about um, sort of releasing on Vimeo, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, everything all at once, and then just sort of seeing what happens. So I think that's sort of similar to what they're talking about. Does that work for feature films? I don't know. Maybe it's just because we're like used to it, like that it starts off at the theaters and it like in the past and it went to like DVD rental, then it got to television like six months down the line. But I think for me, it then kind of just built up this thing where the full like it releasing in theaters is like the first the ultimate place where it needs to go. Because I mean, like even when we were in college, we just felt like it felt so much more cooler when your film was going to, playing the theaters you know like if they just released it for your family to watch on a like on online you would have just felt like you know like it wouldn't have felt the same so i don't know i think for me just being bred into that kind of mentality i prefer it when it's like first in the theaters or like but i think it also just depends on the form like if you made something for streaming then that's perfect because then it's also international but i think sometimes that's why they have that cinema release because you just get that nice um, like that prestige of that moment and you also just get that that red carpet moment I know you know what I mean like I think for me personally and then obviously there's the other side to it where um, you could make more money in cinemas and you can actually see the direct impact where like people can actually see the box office for everyone to see where it's streaming it's a kind of hidden curtain so you don't really know what's working and what's happening but yeah I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with that I wouldn't agree with that yeah I don't think they should all be released at the same time. Um, I agree that there should be at least an opportunity given to watch it in cinemas first. Not much, not much okay. arguing happening. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be controversial. I'm gonna play bad cop. Not because I specifically believe in it. I just want to see what happens. Our experience with short films. Okay, no feature film experience. When the film goes live, because on YouTube you can do premieres, right? And we did a premiere for all of our films on YouTube. When it goes live, I still got that like anxiety whatever that i got from showing the film in cinema because it's like oh no now it's now it's live whatever 
I don't think it's the same for features. But what I'm thinking is that are we making the movies so that people can see it? Or are we making the movies because we wanted to show it in like a huge platform type thing? What? Because what, if you're making the movie so people can see it, then streaming TV would be a better release platform. Am I wrong? But you, I think you're making the movie so that people can see it in the best way possible. <laughs> okay, so you're making it, but only if you can see it oh, like no. this. Because you, you're making it, you put so much into it, you want people to see it in the, okay. the big way, you know what I mean? I think, obviously, for me, the ultimate goal is to have stuff playing in, in, in cinemas, but I also, I'm, I'm not averse to things going on to streaming. Like, streaming's rad, and also people are getting, like, bigger TVs and stuff, because they're watching more TV. And TVs are getting cheaper. Yeah, but I also think that there's also something like different about like going to the cinema, and I would also like stuff to something that I'm that we make to play in cinemas, you know. So, so that it's sort of like an event. Yeah. Do you think it's then like just like selfish then to want to have it played in cinemas? Let's say it's not like a big epic way. Like, do you need the cinema for that? that particular sound or, or the IMAX, like if it's yeah. just like, a normal drama, do you think it's just like a selfish thing of, which I don't think is a bad thing, but like a like, selfish thing of just like wanting to... Like, let's say a movie like, I'm thinking of ending things. Did that, it didn't have a theatrical release, but did it need one? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Why? Because then you're, because you're saying that the sort of big movies are the only ones that are deserving of that. No, 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 no. I mean, like, that movie didn't necessarily break new ground on sound. Didn't necessarily need the, the... They didn't shoot it so that it's perfect and crisp. Whereas something like A Quiet Place, you know, that sound it needs to be in a cinema. If you're experiencing it at home, you've got cars driving, you've got... Yeah. Whereas in the cinema, it's like yeah. quiet. It's like if you watch it on IMAX, it's like quiet and then it's like loud and then it's like quiet. like for example Malcolm and Marie like a film like that as well like there's no reason I think like you could enjoy the experience would be different I feel like watching it at home versus watching it in the cinemas mm. Mm. I think if someone said to me on with any film would they would they say just as a basis with if they said would you want to watch it in cinema would you if you had the opportunity and the time and the availability always would and you watch free. it in cinema would you watch the home at cinema? But I think also like recently, what's like pushed me away from cinema as well is like there can be some real pricks in the cinema, you know, that just use their phones and they play music yeah. or like the torches and stuff like that. And sometimes it just makes me like my dad as well. He just gets feels super uncomfortable sometimes in movies because he says there's literally like a sign on his head that just says mess with me every time he goes to the movie because there's always someone kicking his chair, there's always someone really? talking on their phone. And I think that's why a lot of people when it comes to like normal dramas and things like that, or like um, middle budget films, they don't go to cinemas because sometimes they can also have a really bad experience. You know what as I? Well. You know what I? What I heard someone say? Um, I think it was Lou from Unbox Therapy on their like podcast channel. Mm. He was that when HBO was talking about this releasing at the same time. He was saying that it would weed out those kinds of people because it's like the people who are going to be on their phone or are going to be whatever, they're not going to spend the money to go to the movies. Mm. They're just going to watch it at home. So then the people who do go to movies want to go to movies and they appreciate the True. format. True. 
True. So I think that's actually good because I, I uh, watched that same thing and I thought it was actually a good point. Uh, if the filmmakers are supporting the, theat- the, the theatrical release and people that like cinephiles are supporting that and then you get the people that just don't care about, the ex- not don't care about the experience, but don't appreciate it as much and they have other interests and stuff, they prefer watching it at home with their families then maybe it would be best to release it on everything so that you can choose what experience you want to have. Mm-hmm. I, I just wish that that was the only thing because um, by doing that, you're also taking away revenue from the theatres and without that revenue, they're going to die. <laughs> yeah. And I think also watching something in the cinema, there's the, I suppose it's, it's kind of like a strange point, but it's something I think about is I have a different experience watching things at home versus in the cinema because at home... There's this thing of like, I'm able to just like pause it mm-hmm. an L-tab or like go get mm-hmm. tea or something. But in the cinema, you sit down and it's going to play from start to end, whatever you do. And it's like mm-hmm. a different kind of like, uh, the cinema is like asking something different of you in terms True. of the experience of it, True. which I think is yeah. nice. And you also kind of get more of that edge of your seat kind of vibe where like with a movie, you like, you don't get as tense when you watch certain like action scenes or like uh, like where you think something bad's about to happen like literally in cinemas you're like on the edge of your seat kind of thing from that experience and i think when you're at home because like you said you can pause it or like that tension could be broken because you left the room and come back you have to kind of get back into that mode but yeah i think i think it's an interesting question but i think now uh, there's different ways you can answer it but i think the main thing is um if you're asking from a financial point of view i think it is a bad thing it's all released at the same time but for an experience view, I think it's each to their own kind of thing. So, yeah. Do you like how we took a thing that we thought we were going to argue about it and then just answered it in the most diplomatic <laughs> way? Literally, no fight. I was like, I'm going to stir the pot. Yaku's like, I'm going to pose it. And Yaku's like, yeah, I agree. But also, you guys were also like... I was thinking in my head, I'm like, how do I argue this? God damn it, Mark, that's such a good point. The next one we have, I don't think we're going to stay on it very long. Will 3D stick around? No. No. Stop, it's of, dead already. Get out of me There's here no with time. 3D movies. There's no time for 3D movies I mean, post-pandemic. I mean, look, even with 3D TVs, that didn't last. Like, yes. people could play games. I think the, the experience of it is just too, like, I don't, like, I think your mind just doesn't handle it well. And I think um, it then maybe leads to the question, will then VR be the next thing to take over? But I think... It's the technology is amazing, but I think the human experience of it all is yeah. a bit jarring. I think that's yeah. the. Draw. I think I think that it it was interesting when um, there were like all these gimmicks, mm. and I was like the balls flying in your face, and you were like, oh, it's coming at me, whatever. But then that got very old yeah. very quickly, and then people were like, okay, well then we'll just make it normal three D. We're not gonna do gimmicks. But then that was just like a normal yeah. video that's slightly depth yeah. depthy. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't an experience as much. Or we just got used to it, maybe. I don't know. I think the movie, the last movie where I felt like, yo, this is amazing in 3D was Avatar. Like, that one for me was... The, you mean, like, the first one that made it popular? <laughs> no, not made it popular, but for me, like, yeah, like, for me, it's just, like, I felt like that movie was, like, really cool in 3D. But then, like you said, the gimmick ones just, like, destroyed mm. the, the genre. You know, what was another good one as well was Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't see that was a good 3D. 3D. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think sometimes they're done right, but I don't think it's, I mean, 3D, the technology has been around for like actually a long time. But I don't know, I think the next step people might say is VR, but then the same thing is it's it's so jarring and so expensive. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think know. VR, I, 
It's a different, it's like a totally yeah. different experience, right? Because that's like enclosed. Interactive, it's like yeah. a different medium. It's like, it's, in VR, you're not going to like suddenly lose the 3D effect if you tilt your head a little bit too much. Yeah. Whereas with 3D, <laughs> a 3D movie, you have to sit like exactly right. So Otherwise, it go, if you go like a little bit like this, then it's out of focus. And then you're like, oh, but now I want to, you know, it's Oh like, my gosh, mm. I watched this one 3D movie and it wasn't, it was, I could only watch it in 3D because all the other cinemas were, this was back when cinemas were still packed low. Um, <laughs> cinemas dead. <laughs> and they had like misaligned it. Oh, no. So your one eye, the one eye in the glasses was just dark, couldn't see anything, and you just see out of one eye, and it was like slightly shifted. No, and I was like, this is the worst thing ever. I remember, I remember when they started playing around with like um, different animation styles and stuff, and I watched Into the Spider Verse. I thought it was a three D movie because of how they did the color, uh, and I literally yeah. left the theaters, got three D glasses, sat down, and was like, this is the exact same, <laughs> this is the exact same experience. <laughs> And because of me, like five other people also left to put on the glasses. And by the end of it, we all just looked at each other. Like, like, <laughs> but but yeah, I think I think like we said, maybe the future is VR. But I don't know because I know people that also say they get headaches from VR. Yeah. And, like no, I mean, I don't I don't think that it's like I think you're saying will movies play and like VR will take over. I think that no, I mean like I mean I mean three D. I think. The, the morphing of 3D has become, because the, the, the idea of 3D was to put you in the world, and I think VR is that's the thing that's, that, that's yeah. taking the mantle yeah. next. That's what you I'm know saying. what would be interesting is like a VR cinema, and like you log Just into some website, and then you're streaming, you're streaming a movie, a 2D movie, but you're sitting in sort of your seat in the cinema, and like it looks like the cinema, the screen is. <laughs> oh, there. It looks cool. like it's a big screen, but it's just like, <laughs> and then you, so like it's a virtual cinema. I think that could be interesting. Is that already a thing? That must be. A it thing, must be. Right? I thought, yeah, I thought you meant the other way around, right? It's a cinema with everyone have you on, oh, just no. walking into each other. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you're not even walking. So but you're not even walking. You're not using yeah. anything. It's literally just you've got your mask on. You're sitting on your couch. No, no, no. It's it's and whole, then it should be the whole experience. It's you in the line, <laughs> and then you're like buy snacks. <laughs> And, and then it's you actually your mom giving yeah. you some snacks. You sit down and there's someone too tall in front of you. So you have to watch it like that. Someone's and then a baby starts crying. And like, someone's phone goes off and you're like, but the movie's the same. It's exactly the same. You're like, damn, this no, is no, sick. No, no, no. And, and the projectionist like makes a mistake. And the thing is like tilted. And you go to complain to the manager. Like the whole experience should just be now that anyways, you know, you, that, you guys just took my idea and just ruined it. <laughs> no, but, 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 but also just on that VR thing, like also like a lot of people say no, like filmmaking, they're going to start trying to do like horror movies and stuff in VR. But I think the problem with that is perspective because now that, because you can look everywhere where there's a story, like you mm-hmm. can't, because then you have to try and make the story right around right. the person. And because you can't aim it, like, like the cool thing with cinema, like Scorsese likes to say, like you, you just have this frame to work with. That. Like anything outside that frame mm-hmm. is like you, like that. You don't know what's going on there, and that's why a story is like mm-hmm. cinema is so interesting. Is because you're looking at that small, not small, but that rectangle. Yeah. So I think if you look at it, like trying to be more immersive with movies could actually take you back, and it's not really a movie anymore. You're like going into video game territory. And stuff. Yeah, I think it's different. Mm-hmm. It's virtual cool. reality. It's not. What's well, nice. <laughs> so, so is. 3D dead? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we think 3D is definitely dead. Yeah.
Okay, another question here is Has Hollywood had its day? I hope so. <laughs> you hope so? Well, not I hope so. I, I feel like it should be equalized now because um, I think what's, what's nice about Netflix, like I think if you're talking about Hollywood, I mean like Western films. Like, not that there shouldn't be any Western films, but I feel like it's time that other countries now rise up. Mm-hmm. Like, and because and, I mean, like before streaming, Bollywood and Hollywood and Hollywood like were the three main contenders. Now you have so much like, not just movies like series and like I'm like I'm addicted to like Ragnarok, which is a show oh, from Norway. Yeah. My girlfriend, uh, she loves uh, series from from Brazil or movies from mm-hmm. Brazil, like Money Eyes, like and you just realize the deep wealth of it and mm-hmm. and the nice thing, not the nice thing, but like because you're saying Hollywood had its day, it means it's not the day for someone new; it's the day for everyone now. Mm-hmm. And I think like it's exciting for South Africans. It's exciting for people from Korea. It's exciting because everybody gets to watch that. We now literally on like an international market or stage where you're not trying to make your films Hollywood or you're not trying to get them into the cinema. Speaking specifically with streaming, it's like you get to now see the brilliant, the brilliant storytelling from all perspectives. And you don't have to just be that one cinephile that has to hunt down a foreign mm-hmm. film. Now because of streaming, Everyone is into yeah. watching, and no one's like that whole thing of subtitles is no longer an issue. Such a big issue and, as yeah. it was. And like yeah. stuff like when Ragnarok comes out, it was in the top 10 of South African Netflix. Exactly. Um, Money Heist was like number one. And like, it's like. Blood I and mean, Water was number one in America. I, I don't know if it was number no, one. No, it was in top 10. No, yeah, America. it was top 10. But exactly, it's like. That was English though. But what I mean is uh, um, subtitles are being normalized. And that's a great thing. Mm. Um, I think in our country, we've got so many languages. So there is sort of like, an uh, we accept subtitles because broadcasters require any language that's not English to be subtitled. Mm. So I think there is already that like mm. mentality of reading subtitles, but it's like bringing it to everywhere all at once, which is cool. I don't think Hollywood has had its data. I think it's still dominating and it's going to be dominating for a long time. I, I'm, I'm happy for streaming. like ex- Everything that you said, I'm, I'm happy for. <laughs> but that, that doesn't mean Hollywood's done. And um, it's not doesn't mean that Hollywood's not going to be number one anymore. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden there's not going to be money for Hollywood movies. Because America is Hollywood and America dominates everything. So they're just gonna keep. I don't going. know though. I don't know because like if you're talking about in terms of money and in terms of like money wise and stuff like that, yeah, I think they do dominate. But I think I've spoken to a lot of people, and it's not even like cinephiles and stuff. They just said they're just tired of American films. Like they're just tired of the same old narratives because the, we've seen it for like over a century. The same and and so many people, like I said, has been like people that I know, like friends of mine, saying. No, they prefer watching all these other foreign films and stuff. Something might not beat Hollywood, but I do think that its its status is coming a bit down and people are getting a bit more tired of the same old stories and they're always like, oh, this is this. this. But once, and then once they see films from other places, they're like, oh, such an interesting take on this. I never, like, such an original story. So I don't know. I think there might be a day where it's not like, something doesn't take over, but I do think that it is coming a bit more down in terms of, the stuff it's bringing out because people are so used to it, you know? I think there's so much being made now that maybe everything looks the same because that's just the stuff that gets promoted the, the most. I mean, I'm thinking of ending things count as a Hollywood movie because it's from America. Or are we saying that only movies made in Los Angeles are Hollywood movies? 
Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the definition is starting to shift because of that exact reason, right? Because it's yeah. like the Hollywood movie used to be like, is this movie made in like uh, the like a Hollywood backlot? You mm. know what I mean? On a set with oh, big, Studios. you know, movie stars yeah. in it, and it would all, you know, versus I think it's even in Hollywood the sort of the form of it is like shifting a bit. Mm. But I, I I think I agree with both of your points. While simultaneously people are getting experience to a lot experience a lot more like international things because of streaming um but then i also still feel like hollywood still like dominates mm-hmm. and i also feel like when they when it also feels like when hollywood feels like they aren't dominating enough they always do something to try and dominate <laughs> but uh, like for me like you know like from what i'm seeing in the past couple of years is how much more foreign films have entered the oscars like if you look at parasite how that became best picture and i think like things like that is like showing precedence of precedence of the time where I think over time, like I do think that everything has its face. I don't think that anything lasts forever. And I do think eventually, um, I do think there will be like a shift, not into any particular country, but I do think it will be a shift to where Hollywood just comes to the level of everything else or everything rises to the level of Hollywood. Like I don't think anything's going to take over from it, but I do think a lot of industries are going to rise up to the same level because um, yeah, I just don't believe that uh, that that anything ever lasts that long when it comes to like an established structure and established, like it's been around for a while and we do say it's Hollywood, but I mean, I'm sure that that people say that about a lot of different things that eventually over time, it just dissipates, you know? So I don't know. I don't, I don't, and for my, for me personally, I don't think like if it hasn't had its day, I think its day will come like where it will be. Yeah. You know? I don't think it's had its day, but it's, it's, it's like towards the end of its life. Yeah. Are directors still auteurs? Auteurs? Otters, you know, the things that otters, they break yeah. the stones. <laughs> they, they make dams. Yeah, are directors still otters? <laughs> auteurs. Well, I think we've spoken about this. We spoke about this. It was on like one podcast. of the first podcasts. One of the first podcasts. I personally don't believe in auteur theory. I think if you're going to want to rule something as like a dictator, you should, that, that's not what filmmaking is for, personally. Mm. Um, I think that it used to be very like auteur dominated so auteur theory is like the director is like the only thing it's like their their sole vision and everything is exactly the way the director wanted it and they're at the forefront and it's i mean not everyone who says like a film by this person is an auteur but it's kind of like a film by this person and it's like full stop (laughs) you know what i mean that's the kind of auteur theory but I think that the guy who did, oh, I always forget his name. The guy who did Ex Machina and Devs and... Uh, um, Alex Garland? Alex Garland, yes. So Alex Garland, from the outside, people would think, like, he's quite an auteur, right? But he says himself he doesn't like that term because it's such a collaborative thing. I think you can simultaneously have a clear vision but still be a collaborator. You know what I mean? You don't have to be a dictator. I think that's what the auteur theory is kind of like synonymous with, which I think is nonsense. If you want to be a dictator, go, I don't know, be an actual dictator. Go to (laughs) Germany in the 40s. Yeah, I think just to like be on the opposing side of what you were saying, um, of of like you need to be a collaborator, collaborator, (laughs) uh, collaborator, um, is that 
Um, there's this YouTuber, Max Joseph, and he also did the catfish shows. He's the guy with like the silver gray hair. And he, he wanted to like find out from all these bigger directors if you need to be like essentially a dick to, to, to be a good director, like if you need to be really hard and, and just like say, no, this is your way. And he interviewed Peter Berg and Peter Berg literally said to him, because he said like, he was like, you have to have that kind of mentality where it's like your, it's your vision and you can listen to people, but at the end of the day, it's the movie you want to make. And from like watching, it's like, I wouldn't agree with that. But and then like when you watch his movies, his movies are so good and so engaging that I was like, okay, maybe you do have to have maybe like 80% of the level of a tour or something where you're like, okay, this is my vision. Um, because sometimes it can get a bit muddled. So I don't know. For me, that was just something interesting that I thought that he went to this guy and then, um, and that, and this guy was a pretty successful director and he says, no, that's how he's been from day one where you have to kind of be a dick on, on set kind of thing. No. So I just thought that was like, I, interesting. I completely disagree. I can yeah. disagree more because it just sounds like he's not a nice person to work with yeah. because at the end of the day, you've built up this whole structure of making a film and that somehow gives you a pass to be an asshole mm. no nothing in this world gives you a pass to be an asshole mm. just don't be an asshole because i have movies been made with incredibly nice directors and the films are brilliant and the performances are excellent mm. and everyone had a great time on set even though the subject matter might be like quite intense yeah well did you know yeah exactly mm. but then there are films with like uh directors who put everyone through hell and yeah, the film, films might still be like really good or anything, but the other way exists mm. and it's a much better way for everyone involved yeah. but it's, because it's, it's people's lives for a lot of months and you're going to put them through hell just because you're a dick. Mm. It's just, I don't, I don't think those people are, are good directors to yeah. be honest. Just be mm. a nice person. It's true what you say, but like if you look at it historically, I'm not saying that I agree with you, but just like if I'm trying to, be devil's advocate for it because like if you look at it historically all the greatest directors so many people have said oh, what Dixon said if you look at like um, Kubrick the greatest there's, directors not the greatest but the ones that we study the most and like the people like Kubrick's like how badly he treated that lady on set of, oh, yeah, of, of The Shining and the guy who did um, The Exorcist what was his name William Friedkin yeah like apparently he was also really terrible and like how he wanted to, do to get the actors to play and if you look at even Hitchcock wasn't the greatest of, of dudes yeah, as no, when it came to exactly <laughs> and it's funny because if you look back and even Roman Polanski as well like I know some people yeah, okay, but he's problematic yeah, but, I, many yeah. <laughs> but it's funny like and it's funny that like those are the people we study and they were like the most harshest directors yeah so, but like Spielberg what about George Lucas what about Wes yeah. Anderson what about uh, Christopher Nolan. None of these people. But that's why I think then it's definitely like a shift towards it. And like, I don't know, like, I think you, I think you have to have a balance where on some level you're like, okay, you're, you're collaborating and then, and then you still have that falter. But if I'm saying difficult, the devil's advocate, I'm just saying it's interesting that how yeah. historically that, that change has come oh, about. Oh it's changing. Yeah, no, no, true. And I think I think it, it brings a lot more voices in. And I'm like, if you look at some of their films, also there are some problematic yeah. stereotypes think, and things like that. I think, think the Ortea theory needs to be updated to um, not necessarily being one person doing everything, like it suggests, it should rather be more like, like a, let's say Wes Anderson has a very specific style, but he doesn't do everything himself. 
Um, so I think say he does everything. I'm yeah, exactly. I think the the auteur theory should be updated to somebody who has a specific style and works with all his collaborators collaborators to achieve that style and achieve that look, and that should be an auteur. Yeah. Do you, do you think? Do you think though that it's changed recently because like um, more actors have a voice now, so directors have to like kind of. Not, I'm not saying tiptoe, but why do you think it is? Why do you think it is changing? Do you think it's just because people are better, or do you think it's because there's now more of a mouthpiece to say, "Listen, this guy's a prick," yeah, and so yeah. yeah. Because I mean, if you look at the guy who did um, Chronicle, he went on to make the Fantastic Four movie, and like they said, like he was like such a like such a dictator on set, like he wouldn't let them read any of the like Fantastic Four books. He would say, "This is the way you need to do it." He would like. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, and you would think, would have someone like that have been successful back in the day, or is it just showing you that to make a good film, it has to be a thing of collaboration? Because why were those guys successful back then, and why is it different now? And so I think you just going on your example of him not allowing people to like read the source material, right? Instead of being a massive asshole about it and say you're not allowed to, blah blah blah, X, Y, and Z sit down with everyone, have a conversation about the f- type of film you're making and, and suggest to everyone, say, I think it would be um, more of an exciting approach if we all didn't uh, yeah. read the, the source material mm-hmm. and go off in this because we want to make this type of thing. We aren't really... Mm-hmm. And yeah, instead of like, blah, 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 blah mm-hmm. it's like, open up it to everyone. And what if someone's like, I, I want to read them or something because mm-hmm. this is how I, how I go about things then figure out a specific, you know, person-to-person kind of way, relationship to work. Because mm. I also think then then he's just not a personable person mm. if he's not treating every single person as like an individual. Because mm. then you're just, if you're just dictating, then you're saying one thing, my word is law, when in actual fact, every single person has also has their own approach and mm. it's just being a nicer person and you're going to get a better result if you're like, specific to each person's yeah. you know way of doing things he just he just sounds like he's an unempathetic asshole but yeah i think i agree with both of you but you know i just i just needed to see that transition and and, and why it was successful you know and the last one why study films when you can just go out and make them so if i'm interpreting the question like if it's saying should you like go straight into filmmaking versus studying it first? At like, university. Yeah. Like, I think, I don't know, I think you should maybe do both. Like, I know there's a lot of directors that didn't go to film school at all and still made brilliant films. So I think um, it's more of that thing of experience versus education kind of thing. But um, like, if you look at so many directors like uh, Spielberg, who like used to take his camera and make miniature train ca- crashes with uh, like miniature trains and stuff like that and make his film, like, I think... You have to have a little bit of both. And also film studies, like you can also do by yourself. You know, you can't just watch a bunch of good films. Like I do think that they, they, there's two different approaches to it. And I do think that they both have the, the avenues that work out to about the same. Yeah. I think what the thing with, like when you do it with experience, you kind of learn tricks of the trade that you wouldn't really in varsity. And you kind of also like, you learn to know the equipment a bit more. You learn to, to be a bit more on set, if that makes yeah. sense. I think I think that what you were mentioning is nobody who may who didn't go to film school and are good filmmakers 
did not study films, mm-hmm. you know. So what I'm saying is you can't just go and make a movie if you've never seen a movie. Like you can't go and no, I don't have any, no, I don't have any examples. You can't build a house if you've never seen what a house looks like. You know, you, you can't. Know, I'm pretty sure the first caveman who built a house. <laughs> you just said, you just said caveman, you know, they built a structure to simulate a cave. It's like, it's like you can't, you can, you can improve on stuff. And that's what we've been doing as humans forever. Mm. But you can't, you can't, you, you don't know what, you can't just make something. Like if somebody describes a movie to you and you've never seen a movie, you're not going to be able to make a movie. You're just mm. going to, so, so what? There's people pretending in front of a thing that records your every move. Well, if you look at the first movie, it just was a train driving past the camera. They were like, wow. Yeah, everyone built on from that. No, but like, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you, because those people didn't know what a movie was. But that was, was building you know. on photos and photos were building on pictures and pictures were building on real life. So it's like, you can't just make a movie without studying movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, um, when people talk about, I say, for example, Picasso, who was, mm. he's an asshole. And he, he um, you know, made art. He's most famous for making artworks in like a, like an abstract style, mm. right? And you sort of look at, look at, a, at, at a, one of his paintings or something that's a bit like more minimalist, but still abstract. And you're like, well, I could have done that. But then you don't understand that if you asked him, um, or another sort of abstract artist to draw something or paint something completely realistically, they could because they've got that strong foundation to the point mm-hmm. where they're starting to like change things. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn the basics to be able to start yeah. start shifting them. Go you know, know I mean? the rules before yeah. you can break You don't go straight to the crazy experimental thing. Mm-hmm. You start off and then you're finding... Because it's like an ex- ex- experiment is your... You're experimenting within the within a thing. You wow. know what I mean? <laughs> but you you get you yeah, get what I'm yeah, saying, yeah. right? You're not just throw, like throwing shit against the wall. You're mm. saying this is happening. This has happened because of X, Y, and Z, and the way things are are done. So I'm gonna do this because of X, Y, and Z. You're not just saying I'm just gonna do this. You know what I mean? Mm. If you speak to like uh, David Lynch, for example, who doesn't like to go into a lot of like the processes, and a lot of it is sort of coming from like dream logic and stuff, but if you if he were to go into it, I feel like he would be able to explain exactly what he's going against and X, Y, and Z because of it might just be you know from his imagination, but then he's doing that because it's counter to something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not it's not in a vacuum. Mm. You know. But I think also it's this thing where like I think you also have to like because you can't just start like I feel like if you like look at us in film school. When we made our first movies, they were terrible, but we still like knew a lot of films. Um, I think I think it's a thing where you have to also sometimes just just start somewhere and get that experience. Because I mean, like what then what do you say like to someone like Taika Waititi when he talks about filmmaking, where he says, Yeah, he knew about movies, but he didn't know that much. Like you said, even like in his interviews, I said, put this thing yeah. in there and shoot this there. And he just said, because he brought back, he brought in, he integrated his these ideas of pre like of other art genres like fashion yeah. and all of that. So I think I think you don't have to like like I think if you have a movie idea, like I think there are some occasions where you can just maybe shoot something. It might not be brilliant, but I think 
You don't always have to be like a, a cinephile no, to I, make. I think that's a bad example because Taika Waititi won an Oscar for his first short film. So yeah, but I mean before that, <laughs> but he but he was an artist. He was literally a painter. He no, knew, he watched movies. He knew things. He did research for that short film. He he wasn't somebody who refused to study film and then just made an Oscar-winning film. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like I'm saying, sometimes you also just like. Because if you look at um, the guy, what's his name? The guy that started after Barter, where he when he came to to our class and then he was like, take like if you look at everyone, we all kind of know how to make a movie because we've been watching it all our lives. So I think like sometimes you don't have to go to film school and go into in depth. Sometimes you get the filmmakers that just make these fun movies from the ideas that they have in their head, and you know they have some like they know what they want to do. But I don't think it has to be this thing where. Every filmmaker has to be this hardcore cinephile kind of thing and has to know every single detail. No, no, and I think maybe saying. from the experience of also making movies, that's also how you learn. Like you don't have to go into it like knowing I'm going against this rule. Like sometimes you go, you learn about the rule in making it, you know? Yeah. But also a lot of those people, like Taika Waititi is the exception, a lot of those people are going to make trash. And then mm. it'll it'll start becoming good because, mm. because there's like you said, there's definitely value in experience. But there's no way that you can make a good thing. Because even if you make that thing, you're going to study it afterwards. You're going to see what, how people react. Even if you're not like consciously studying it, you're going to look and notice and then you're going to apply that to your next thing. So you just can't get away from it. People study things. That's yeah. just how Yeah, but, uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like the studying doesn't have to be the watching movie part of it. The studying can be the doing it part. You know, like you're making, even if it's like, like if, if you like, yeah, have I guess, an idea, you know I guess I mean? if you have like a lot of time, you don't care about failing and you've got a lot of money to pay people to help well, you. Well, I'd like, look at, sure. look at Taika. You made his thing like out of necessity. He says he was writing that first short of his when he was like a stripper and he was like writing it when he said he had like a tub of Vaseline that he was rubbing on himself and he was like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I want to make this movie that I had in mind. And but and the thing is, because like he had such a unique mind. If you look at his movies like uh, Shark and Eagle, like it's so it's so different. Like and if maybe if he studied film a bit more hardcore, it might have been a more conventional film. But because like he just wanted to put all these different art forms together, he made something so unique when it came to like certain shots that was like a stop motion, not stop motion, but like you know. And yeah, I think motion. I think it brought all this interesting elements into it. But yeah, you know, I think. I think you do have to maybe allow the thing, but I don't think from the get-go you have to be an intense student of the thing from the get-go, you know? I think that comes also maybe with experience and time. So that's it. We went through all the questions through over two podcasts and you can get it. It's called 10 Questions to Get Film Lovers Arguing uh, from dummies.com. We're going to link down in the description below. And yeah, thank you yeah. for watching. It's not a lot of arguing, but I think that last one got a bit. I think, I think yeah. uh, <laughs> was, uh, we, 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 we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there is some heat in it. But but please, if you want to answer these questions yourself, then please do that. We'll leave a link to these questions in the description. You can just leave a comment if you agree, disagree, and then you know share it with your friends. Let's get let's get everybody arguing. Let's everybody should have an opinion. Everybody should just watch things and and share opinions because that's how we grow. Uh, but if you'd like to see the video version of this podcast uh, or any of our other videos, then please go over to youtube.com slash pictures and just browse. We've got a lot of content on editing, filmmaking, cameras, all that kind of things. So if you enjoy it, hit subscribe, hit like, and share with your friends. But until next time, go out there, stay safe, and make your movies.